Hey, well, this is a, a baptism Sunday. We baptized, I think, four in the first service, and um, excited to have Mike here, and going to be baptizing him in this service. And and just to explain what this is, this is a really old ceremony. It dates back over two thousand years, since even before Jesus. This does not wash away anyone's sins. This doesn't save you or help you to go to heaven. What this is is after you have surrendered your life to Christ, after you've asked Jesus to forgive you and, and given your life over to him, this is a way of going public with your faith. And so, um, you know, I, I'm wearing this ring to go public with my marriage, so you all know I'm married, and, um, and this is a way of going public with your faith so we all know who is following Jesus Christ. So Mike uh, wrote out his story and um, wanted me to read that. He says, I grew up in a church family. And, but I didn't truly absorb or understand the concept of being a Christian or going to church. I just followed along, never asking any questions or getting more involved. It was just what I was supposed to do. I didn't know Jesus, I just knew some of the stories. As I grew older, I found myself focusing and relying on my own strength and desires. And that meant work and more work, making money and taking care of everyone else's needs and problems. Rarely ever did I focus on my true needs Life was fast and busy. Rarely was there a moment that I or my brain slowed down to smell the roses. When it got hard to handle and the stress was building up, I turned to alcohol and smoking. At first, drinking with friends, hanging out at bars and parties, but as my drinking increased and my relationships decreased, I started to isolate myself in my own little world. A fantasy world with lots of work, alcohol, procrastination, and very little reality. I did what I wanted and I was in control. The mindset of doing it alone was setting in. And through a series of battles with alcohol and close relationships, I started to realize I wasn't being who I wanted to be, nor getting what I wanted out of life. Then to push it to the top, I lost a four-year relationship with a woman I had in my life. I had put my whole sick, drunken, and selfish heart into her, and my world was crashing down. At this time, I began to realize that I'd become a machine with no maintenance program. I was exhausted from fighting, working, and going in circles. I started pulling irons out of the fire, trying to slow down, but there wasn't much relief. I was truly lost and lonely. So I started going to my neighbor, Al Hickok, to talk. He was always there for me. He typically didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. <laughs> um, but he was telling me what was better than my thoughts and I had to try something different. He talked of Jesus in the Bible and invited me to church. I started going to church with Al and felt an uplifting. I started listening to sermons online as well. It was truly starting to change things a little more. That year for Christmas, Al got me a Bible. On December 28, 2019, I went to my niece's birthday party. It felt good to be with family. After the party, I spent some time alone thinking and talking to God. And after thinking things over for a while, I went to Al's house. I walked through the kitchen door and said, Al, I can't do it alone. Al gave me a big hug and asked if I was ready to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I said, yes. We prayed together. I called Pastor Bob to share the good news. And since knowing him, God has shown me and talked to me through many Bible verses and people. He's shown me that I don't have to rely on my own strength. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight 
through the love of my parents and family, he's shown me, Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Amen. Amen. Mike, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior? And are you ready to continue to make a commitment in front of all these people to continue to follow Jesus Christ? Yes. Well, then based upon your profession of faith, we baptize you. Just, just so you know, these men are up here not because Mike was a flight risk, but they're all part of his small group, and uh, so he wanted them to be a part of this, and uh, so this, and it's just great to see. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, and it's great to be a part of a community that support you and love you and are there for you. We're going to transition to the message. We're going to talk about relationships, and before we do that, we're going to have a short little video about how not to respond to people in relationships, so. When he finds their body dead on the Gilder frontier, his suspicions will be totally confirmed. You never say anything about killing anyone. I've hired you to help me start a war. It's a prestigious line of work with a long and glorious tradition. I just don't think it's right killing an innocent girl. Am I going mad? Or did the word think escape your lips? You were not hired for your brains, you hippopotamic landmass. I agree with Fisick. Oh, the sot has spoken. What happens to her is not truly your concern. I will kill her. And remember this. Never forget this. When I found you, you were so slobbering drunk, you couldn't buy brandy. And you, friendless, brainless, helpless, hopeless. Do you want me to send you back to where you were? Unemployed in Greenland? Anybody want to feel it? All right, so how do you respond to crazy little men like that in your life, right? How do you respond when when there's conflict and when there's a problem in your relationships. For the next five weeks, we're going to talk about the rules of engagement, the rules of, of having good, healthy, um, God-honoring relationships in our lives. And we could show movie clip after movie clip, TV show after TV show of how not to do it. And the reason is because we live in a world full of sinful people. Ever since Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve both sinned, our, our world has just, just everyone um, doesn't do the right thing and act the right way. And so how do we respond to that? And, and so before we get talking about the, the first rule of engagement, and there's five we're going to go through the, the, over the next month and a half, I just want to challenge you to do two things. Number one, I really want to challenge, encourage, invite you to be here for the next five weeks in a row. And, and the reason for that is because change in our lives does not happen from one verse or one sermon or one thing. Change is a process. We are all on a journey. And so we need to, to, to take that journey. We need to have um, systems and, and habits in our lives 
and people around us that will help us day after day, week after week, month after month, follow Jesus Christ and do the right thing. And so this isn't a one-time thing. I wish this message would just radically transform all our lives and we'd all be fixed and that would be it. But that's not how it works. And so just encourage you, come back for all five weeks. I know if you wake up next Sunday morning, you have a 100-degree temperature and can't taste, okay, then you're not coming, all right? Um, but then you can watch online, and uh, or maybe you work at P&G, and so you got the swing shift, and so two out of three weekends, you can't be here. But again, maybe watch it on Monday. Here's the second thing I want to encourage you to do, not just to be here yourself for the next five weeks, but bring someone with you. And so on, on your chairs, there's these uh, rules of relationship engagement cards. You can, you can hand them to someone, invite them. Here's the thing about all these principles in God's Word. They are true whether you are a Christian or an atheist or a Buddhist or uh, whatever, Muslim. Whatever. These are true no matter what you believe or what you think, and, and it applies to everyone's lives. So just encourage you, bring other people with you um, to, to listen to God's Word and what, and what He says about our relationships. Um, so... The, the first thing I want to talk about is, is this idea that, that I think we all know is true. The Bible says this, but we, we know this even without the Bible. Sinful people tend to respond sinfully when sinned against. And my, my story for that today is when I was in college, uh, I played my freshman year on a JV soccer team. And so I wasn't good enough to make varsity. And we played like Keystone Junior Colleges and other little little colleges and stuff, and so it wasn't even the big time. So um, I, on one game, though, um, I was standing next to, I was on defense, and there was a man on the other team standing next to me on offense. He watched, he looked at the refs, and then he looked that his teammate was about to pass him a long cross, um, and he, he looked around, and he punched me below the belt just before his teammate passed the ball. And so as I'm bent over, he runs on to get the ball, takes a shot, misses the goal. But, and then he ran to the other side of the field and played on the other side of the field for the rest of the half. And I was just like, I can't believe I have never, I've been spit on, I've been, but I've never had that happen in a soccer field. And so at halftime, all the guys are getting together and we found out that I wasn't the only one he went after. I mean, this guy cheated in any way he could. Someone was going to run on to, you know, guard a, another one of his teammates, and he stomped on his, on his foot to trip him and stop him from getting there. And, and he was always very careful, and the refs hadn't seen any of it. And so we all decided, now that we got his number, that he was not walking out of the second half on his own two feet. If there was a head ball, we were going to give him a concussion into next week. If there was anything on the ground, we were taking his legs out and trying to break him. And, and so we were like, you're going to get this. And then the one, there was one black man on our team, Raymond Garrett, and he spoke up and he said, fellas, brothers, he said, call this brothers, brothers, that's not what Jesus would do. What you need to understand is this is a team at a Bible college and half of us wanted to be pastors. <laughs> And we were after, be a pastor, after putting him in the hospital, you know. And so Raymond said this, and we were like, oh, Raymond, why did you have to tell us the truth like that? And we realized, no, you know, we can't, we, we shouldn't 
take him out and put him in the hospital. But we're wise to what he's doing and we'll just be on our guard. And then after the game, Ray went over to talk to him. And the man literally ran <laughs> because he knew anybody on our team going over, he just, he'd probably done this before. And so, so here's the thing. Sinful people, even pastors... Even people that want to be pastors, we respond sinfully when we're sinned against because the truth is everyone is a sinful person. And, and this is true of two-year-olds. Some people think that children are born innocent, right? And they are, they've never been parents for the most part because even a two-year-old, you know, someone steals their toy, do they go like, that's okay, I have other options, <laughs> No, they don't do that. They hit them. They, they try to take it back. They scream and throw a fit and hope that that works. But why? Because sinful people, all people, respond, tend to respond sinfully when sin against. And so here's what God's Word says in contrast to that. It says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men, with, all, with everyone. Um, and and here's where I, I love the Bible because sometimes, this is so true, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes it doesn't depend on you, right? With Ray going across to, to the, their, their, the other side where the guys were after the game, he was trying to make peace with that man, but that man wasn't sticking around to make peace. So sometimes it's beyond our control, but he's saying, as much as you can, you need to live at peace with everyone. And so some of you might say, well, you don't understand my situation. I mean, you got punched once. This is so much worse. I have had, it, it was evil that what this person did to me or does over and over again. And what are you saying? I'm, I'm, I'm just supposed to like let it go? I mean, surely Paul is not talking about people doing evil, but Paul actually anticipates this. And the verse before, the one I just read to you, says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So yes, this is talking about even heinous things, awful things. And, and it goes on and explains a little bit more why. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So here's why we're not to repay evil for evil. Here's why we're not to respond sinfully when we're sinned against. It's because God is the one. It's his job to avenge and take revenge. It's not your job. And when you make it your job and when you step into God's role, you're stepping into the line of fire, right? If, if someone is evil, if someone does wrong, God says, I am going to judge that person. And now you're stepping in front of them and taking matters into your own hands. And let me tell you, God is really good at what he does. He is. Now, we tend to think he's too slow. He's too patient with others, although I appreciate the patience he has for me right? But God will avenge. And you don't, you don't do God very well. You might say, you know, I don't even know you, but I know this about you. You will not accomplish God's role very well. He'll do a much better job at it. So, so he's saying, let God be God and you do you. 
and, and don't take matters into your hands. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. And we're not sure what that means. It may mean in judgment in hell one day, he will literally, you know, suffer more. It may mean maybe more figuratively. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but if someone is mean and then you're nice back, it makes them even angrier because they know, they know I am, I am, I am wrong. And you know, if you responded sinfully back, then they'd feel justified, right? Well, serves them right. You know, oh, you did the same to me, you know. But but if you don't do that, if you if you re- re- repay them with kindness, then oh, that might really bother them. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The thing, people respond sinfully when sinned against. They tend to do that because sin and evil is contagious, right? Someone hits you, you want to hit them back. Someone lies about you, hurts you verbally, you want to hurt them back. Sin and evil are contagious. But here's what this is also saying. You can overcome evil with good. Good is also contagious. And we live in a society where it's just going crazy. How do we fight violence? Let's take to the street with more violence. That'll fix it. How do we fight racism? Well, let's, let's introduce more racism. How do we fight segregation? Let's have more segregation. And, and it's, not, it's not God's way. God says just the opposite. We need to overcome evil with good. And so the summary of all these verses, um, I, I just am going to put it this way. Rethink your reactions. Rethink your reactions. So when you're in a conflict, when someone says something to you, maybe it's a coworker or your boss, maybe it's your mom or dad or uh, maybe it's your spouse or, one, or your kid. Man, kids can be so frustrating. Rethink your reaction. And um, that sounds like an easy thing to do, but I want to read you something. And I didn't find this on my own. There's a couple great resources that I've pulled these five messages out of. One is a book by Ken Sandy called peacemaker. And it is an excellent book um, for any of you, just talks more about this in depth. And then the other is a classmate of mine by the name of Dave Whiting, and he preached a sermon series on this. And he found um, this quote I'm going to use for you, and it's from the National Health Service Security Management Service Conflict Resolution Workbook. Sounds very boring. But it's, it's fascinating. Here's what happens to your body when conflict appears. When anything happens that is perceived as a threat or a potential threat, your brain sends a message to the adrenal glands. I didn't actually even know where my adrenal glands were, okay, before I did this. So um, we got some medical people just rolling their eyes. Um, but I thought they were like up here. Um, These begin a process involving a number of hormones, including adrenaline, whose purpose is to prepare the body for vigorous emergency action. Non-essential processes are switched off. If the body is digesting food, that's stopped, and a person may notice a feeling of churning, nausea, sickness, or butterflies in the stomach. So basically, when your body, when you have conflict, your body gets ready to fight or flight. And it's saying, you don't need to digest food right now. You got to fight or you got to run. And the liver will release glucose into the bloodstream for the purpose of giving maximum strength to the muscles and becoming ready for instant action. Muscles become tense. 
And a person may notice shaking or restless fidgeting. And if the pattern increases long enough, chronic headaches or backache may result. Some of you experience this regularly because you, you have this conflict and you get this tenseness because your body is ready to do something and you don't do anything. And it's just, oh. As all this is happening in the body, there are two important changes in the brain. And this is really fascinating. First, reflexes are speeded up at the same time so is thinking and some notice racing thoughts. And yet even though your thoughts are racing, the blood supply to the frontal part of the brain responsible for higher levels of reasoning is reduced. It's hard to think straight. So your mind is going fast, but you're not, you know, nobody thinks like the last time I had an argument with Becky, I don't think this would be a, a really appropriate place for a sarcastic comment right now. Right? Because my logical, rational part of my brain is being starved for oxygen and it's going. The blood supply has increased to parts of the brain responsible for automatic, instinctive, or impulsive decision making. And that's why under stress, we're more prone to impulsive behavior, which may be regretted later. So I share all that, not for you to go from here saying, Pastor Bob says I can't help it. It's just the way my body works. God made me this way, right? No, well, God did make us this way, but He didn't just make us with a brain and make us with a body. He made us with a soul. And you have a choice to rethink your reactions. And you need to understand, the reason I walk through all of this is just so we understand that conflict isn't just a spiritual problem. It is a physical and a mental problem. It is a big problem. All right? And so, so there are so many things going on, and this is why we need God's help to, to help us through this and to respond differently. And, and so what is your natural response? What is your most common? I think all of us at some point will fight, and all of us at some point probably will f- flight as well, but, but I don't know what your normal response is, and this would be a great thing to talk about with whoever you're sitting next to afterward, or if you're watching online, you know, maybe someone you're with there, or give them a call. Talk about, how do I re- normally respond to conflict? Um, fight or flight? Dig in or give in? Sometimes people just you know, the one end is an attack response, and the other end is an escape response, blow up or clam up. Why do people clam up in a conflict? Because they're trying to escape it. And here's the thing. God doesn't want you to attack others in conflict, nor does he want you to escape from conflict. He wants you to resolve it. People try to escape from conflict when, when keeping the peace is more important than resolving it, right? When escape and feeling and, and, and pushing these feelings aside are, are, are more important than resolving, actually, the conflict. And, and attack response, we do that when winning an argument is more important than keeping a relationship. And again, afterward, we think, why did I say that? That was so stupid. I can't believe. But in the moment, I just want to win. And, and so here's, um, and this is some of this is from that book. Here are different levels of escape responses. Number one, denial. So there's a conflict, there's an argument, and um, are, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I'm good. Why would you ask me if I'm okay? You know, well, it seems like you're upset. I'm not upset. 
I mean, are you upset? I'm, not, I'm, I'm good, right? Denial, and that's just to run away, escape it. Um, inward stewing, okay? This is someone who, you can tell, they, they want to say something, but they don't. And they got all this internal junk, and they're just, just burning with it, but they're, they're not going to share it. And then if each of these gets, gets greater, okay? Temporary flight. Um, this is now. This is different than cooling down to deal with the the, the problem later. Um, temporary flight is I want to run away and not come back to this. Right? I'll come back to the person, but I don't want to deal with the conflict. I'm I'm escaping the conflict. It is good many times to if if you find yourself you're all worked up and all those you know, adrenaline and, and oxygen and glucose and your brain and all this stuff is going on. It is helpful to sometimes take a pause, take a time out. We put kids in time out. Adults need timeouts too. Um, and then come back later and address and resolve the conflict. That's a good thing. But this is just, I just want to leave. Temporary flight, then permanent flight. Permanent flight is I'm quitting my job so I don't have to see that person ever again. Permanent flight is I'm getting a divorce. Permanent flight is I'm, I'm, I'm shunning and totally leaving someone. And these are all an increasing. And then there's no escape greater than suicide. It is the ultimate escape. You can't escalate things any more than that. Escape responses. These are not, these are seen as most, more socially acceptable. And many times, at least, you know, the first several, and many times they're, they're not, they're, perhaps they're not as bad of consequences of the attack, but these are also sinful. And this is not how God wants you to respond to conflict. Attack responses, manipulation, getting your way and using words and emotions. And, and then one step more than that is, is verbal assault. So I'm, I'm not being subtle anymore with the manipulating. I'm just out and out swearing and yelling and I'm going to the closet and I'm bringing out, you know, the past and I'm saying things just so that they'll hurt you. That's my goal. I'm going to say this just because I know it will hurt. Verbal assault and then beyond that, litigation. Taking someone to court and suing them and trying to, to get others to attack. And then physical assault. Um... This is often, uh, you know, in a marriage, often the man is the one who, who may. And, and if, you are in a, if you are in a marriage and if you're a wife and your husband hits you or assaults you in any way physically, you need to go to the police. Not just because it would be the best thing for you to be safer, but it's the best thing for him to be arrested. Because then he will have consequences for his sin and he will have a better opportunity to change and become more like Jesus and, and do things the right way. But, you know, this is true the opposite way. I've talked to numerous men who their wife would, would hit or, or slap or scratch or, you know, just, just attack them. And their response, many times these men would say, it's all right, I can handle it. And my response is, that is not, that is not right. You know what, the next time she does that, you need to call the police. Oh, I would be fine. Yeah, you will be fine until you're not. And all of these things, they tend to escalate 
And one of these days, you're going to respond and you're going to put her in the hospital or you could kill her. I mean, some of these men who, I mean, just, just two seconds of a lack of self-control and you go to jail for the rest of your life. And again, there needs to be consequences to, to, to people's bad behavior. And so I, I did this. I think I've shared this before. This is someone who doesn't live in the state, someone I knew from, from a church previous, so I don't think any of you know this individual, but called me on the phone and, you know, marital problems and helping him. And he mentioned how his wife would attack him sometimes. And I said, you need to call the cops the next time she does that. And so he did. The police showed up. He was out in the yard with the one police officer. The other officer was talking to her in the house. And this man said to him, the officer said, you need, do you have some place you can go tonight? And he said, yes, I do. I have a friend. I can spend the night at his house. Why don't you go there? Let's just cool everything down. And uh, you, you, you just need to leave. He says, okay. And so he says, I'll, I'll go in with you. You can get a bag of stuff. And, and so you can get out of here. And before they could go in the house, the other officer had the woman handcuffed and was leading her out and put her in the police car because she was so belligerent to him. And she went to jail for her, her, her actions to the police officer. And you know, it was the best thing for her because she needed to realize that that is not the way we need to respond to conflict physically. Um, and so then, of course, ultimately, murder is the ultimate attack. Where you, can't, you can't go any farther than that. Um, that's not how God wants us to do it. And so what do we need to do? We need to pursue peace. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So how do we pursue peace? And one of the things is, you, you know, just think about your reactions. Reject your natural response to conflict. So for the most part, there are times where I, I do attack in conflict, but for the most part, I'm a runner. And I don't want to deal with it, and I shove it under the carpet and ignore it and procrastinate and pretend it didn't happen. And so I need to realize that is not what God wants me to do. And I, the next time, my natural response, whenever I want to not deal with the conflict, I know, you know what, I probably need to deal with this. And, and then make pleasing God your priority goal. People at peace make peace. So if I'm right with God, then I'm okay with not being right, right with you. Right? So, so if I can go to bed at night sleep peacefully because I'm right with God. If I get up in the morning and I know I am right with God, then it doesn't matter to me if, if Jim doesn't like me, you know? Because, you know, okay, so Jim doesn't like me, but I'm right with God. You know, and Cliff doesn't like me either, but I'm right with God, you know? And so being at peace, people at peace make peace. And so make sure you're, you're right with God and then make pleasing God your priority. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says this, so we make it our goal to please God. And, uh, you know, to try to remember these things as, as we go through life. A um, couple ideas. I wrote Romans 12, 18 on the back of my hand. And I've since washed it off a couple times, but I keep writing it on my hand and it, just to help me remember. You know what? I need to, as far as possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. Try to remember that. Maybe you want to buy one of those little, maybe you got one of those peace symbols, right? 
Just stick that thing in your pocket. And then whenever you reach into your pocket, you'd be like, oh yeah, I, I need to make it my goal to please God. I need to live at peace with all men. I need to rethink my reactions. When someone pushes my buttons, I need to just step back and think, like Raymond Garrett thought, what does Jesus want to do through this? So um, maybe you put it on your lock screen on your phone, 2 Corinthians 5.9. So we make it our goal to please God. I want to make it my goal to please God so that you can rethink your reactions. Here is why you have conflict in your life. It's because conflict is God's, one of God's best programs to help you become more like Jesus. If it wasn't for conflict in my life with other people, I would think me and Jesus were like that. We are so similar. <laughs> I mean, I am just so much like Jesus. But because I have conflict in my life, that's when I realize, you know, when everyone's nice to me, I am able to be nice back. I must be just like Jesus. But when people aren't nice to me, I realize, man, I am nothing like Jesus. <laughs> And I have so much work to do, and I have so much that I need to depend on God for. I can't do this on my own because I am nothing like Jesus. And so that let, let God do that in your heart. Let God use your conflict. He's not going to rescue you from it. He wants to rescue you from yourself through the conflict he puts in our lives. And so here's the summary statement of the first rule of engagement, number one, it is not about winning. So don't try to win. Don't try to escape your conflict. Rethink your reactions and seek to please God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just um, thank you that um, you've given us your word. Um, help us to Help us to use it. Lord, I thank you that I'm not just an animal, that when the adrenal glands kick in and when the brain starts moving oxygen around to different parts and, and when the, the, the glucose and all that, all that stuff that happens, God, I thank you that none of us here are just animals, that you have made us in your image. And God, help us to reflect that image. Help us to, to rely on you and to be different. God, this world so badly needs to see a difference, a different way. And Jesus Christ, in his, in his name we pray, amen.